1800s, the Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. To the Dirt Road Circuit Riders Podcast. I am Steve McVeigh, the director of yes, you are. Dirt Roads Network, and I am here today with Michael Houle from Small Town Vineyard USA and Doug, who is Doug the Speaker Guy, You're but welcome. he is also the really the leader of Crossroads Farm of Cooperative Youth Ministry. And he's an illustrator, a children's book writer. Um, I think he's you know, going to cure poverty at certain points. No, he's doing. I, I heard he's like Joey Chestnut too. But anyway, we'll talk about that. I could not that. do a few minutes. I could not do any of that without my wife actually holding the heavy end of everything. Yes, Dawn is the one working today yes. while you record these podcasts. Hey, so when you're a rural missionary, one of the first things that happens when you move to a new community is you learn that that community identifies with a food of some kind. <laughs> and I'm just curious, what is your area famous for? And those of you who would like to connect with us on Facebook, that'd be cool. Maybe we'll uh, yeah. put that up. You can tell us what is your, your area famous for. But, but Michael, here we are in Wisconsin. Let's see. What are we, what are we faithful for, fa- um, famous for here in the Northwoods? Well, for right or wrong, there's three. Brats, beer, and cheese. And it is mm. true. Like, there, you know, cheese heads you see on those football games, if you're not from Wisconsin, it is very true. Mm. Um, I don't think anybody else knows to make a brat like Wisconsin does. I think it's our German heritage. Yep. And, and no one knows to make a cheese curd like we do. And and maybe that's why I probably have health issues. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and Doug, you are down there in southern central Michigan. We are, what are yeah. you what are you famous yeah. for? I don't know what we're famous for, but uh, so the, actually this is a segue. I thought I was going one direction. I'd like to tell this story. We went to the fair, and uh, everybody knows fair foods, right? The best. So last week, I just changed a lifelong habit, which was to get the foot-long hot dog. I am a hot dog connoisseur. But I saw something uh, on one in one of the trucks, and I'm like, I am doing that, which is a brat. So it is, But it was a brat. It was a pretzel brat. So it was wrapped in a pretzel. Which I thought, oh, this is great, mustard and a brat and a pretzel. Mm. So I went for that. It was disappointing at best. Here's why. <laughs> Here's why. I love brats, right? It wasn't cooked. Well, it was, it but the inside of the pretzel, the outside is you know brown the way pretzels are supposed to be. The inside was bread, and when you get bread moisturized, it becomes <laughs> gooey and slippery. The broad inside actually had a little bit too thick a skin, a casing. 
Man, so when I would bite down, I couldn't quite get through the skin, and I had to drag the meat through this skin tube. Rural world problems. Which pulled it out of which pulled it out of the pretzel. So I'm doing this manual brought back in with my finger, then I'm dragging the meat out, and I'm getting mustard on my hands. I'm telling you, well, I feel like Rosanna, Rosanna Dana here. Can I ask you a simple question? Did you finish it? Oh, heavens yes. Of course we did. Yeah. See, but to make a proper brat, you have to soak it in beer first. That's the key to a Wisconsin oh brat. Uh, you know, you are obviously not a Wesleyan, Mike. That's all I've got to say. So in Kansas, there's lots of things. Like, we're famous for beef, obviously. Sure. I mean, you know, but but something they do in Kansas is somehow in their mind, they think chili and cinnamon rolls go together. And so they, I'm being serious. That is a traditional meal. Chili, cinnamon rolls. I'm like, oh, eh, breakfast yeah. and lunch all in one little deal here. Well, here's what I don't understand. And people from Pennsylvania, please bear with me. I was in Pennsylvania recently and they ordered a salad and they put French fries on it. It felt like contradictory to me a little bit to eat a salad of French fries. They say, I have a salad of fries. And I said, is that French fries? And I'm like, yes. I'm like, so does that counterbalance each other? I now have a reason hey. to eat the salad. I always drink Diet Coke with my French fries, so it's the same concept. So over the last couple podcasts, we are really struggling, guys, in a way, because uh, this podcast has always had lots of laughter. This, you, know, we, you, you get the three of us um, eating brats and whatever we drink with that. And any, No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not soaking them. I'm not hearing you there, though. But anyway, yeah. um, we we have a great time. But right now, these are challenging times, and so uh, we've been sort of talking about challenging subjects, and we talked about sort of assessing the mess um, in our first podcast, and this is the third in the third season. Um, then you know we really talked about dependence on the Holy Spirit, and that led to talk about personal holiness and all that last time. Uh, today we're gonna we're gonna talk about just a practical step and like what do I do? What do I? How do I lead right now? Is is I'm I'm thinking about my church, and a couple weeks ago I was down in Chicago, which is a nice small little town. You might have heard of it, little rural town. But I was I was meeting actually <clears throat> with with an art denomination, an entire region, uh, you know, pastors from Wisconsin and Michigan and Illinois. We were all getting together, and the very first speaker was a former Miss America, by the way. <laughs> Her name was Debbie Turner Bell. And she shared some thoughts from Exodus chapter 17. And what I'd like to do is just share those thoughts with you guys and get your take on them. Okay. It's a story of where, like, Moses had his arms held up. And so, like, as Joshua fought the Amalekites, Moses would pray. And, and the very first thing that she pointed out is that Moses grabbed his rod. And the rod really plays no role in the story other than this. It is a reminder that rod has been used by God before. As I lead in these challenging times, one of the jobs of the leader is to say to our congregations, to say to those that we lead, remember, we were slaves one time. God delivered us Think about this rod. In what ways does a pastor during times like this, a rural pastor during times like this, remind their congregation, his or her congregation, that God has been faithful and is still in control? Well, first of all, I think the reality that you're still standing shows that God has been faithful. Yes, that's true. Um, but I, I think the truth of this 
for most of us is we do have reminders of that in our lives, in our congregation itself. Maybe it's a, a person in the congregation. Maybe it's a, the story of how God has moved in the past of provision. Maybe how you have seen God move in your community. You have memorials to what God has done. And I think there's so many stories. And one of the things I, I think passion be a really healthy exercise, even if you pause the podcast right now, mm. is to take some time to write down the stories of the memorials of God has moved in your church and in your life to remind yourself that he is always victorious and always there. You know, I I, I like uh, the reminder and writing it down. That's, uh, I think that we do what we've done well in the past. You know, who said we were supposed to stop preaching passionately and hopefully? Like, true, seriously. True, true. Who, look, revival, I believe, is still coming if we yes. obey God's yep. voice. And I'm sorry, man, I'm getting excited here. Yeah, because that's the point. Well, I talked about brats. I think that led yes. in, right? <laughs> yeah, and hot dogs. I, seriously, when did, we, when did we give in to the idea that we can't talk about certain things? Let's preach passionately. And it is something you can do. Yeah, your call didn't change because of COVID. Your life didn't change because of this moment in terms of what yes. God is asking you to do. And by the way, that means that gospels first and foremost. That means we we bring the kingdom of God to our communities in real and practical ways. That means we disciple people like we've done in the past. None of that changes. You have memorials of that reality and as you continue to this day. In fact, the faithful in front of you, which we talked about before, is your memorial to Absolutely. what God is doing. Hey, bonus pastors, by the way, you can write down these notes and you won't even have to prepare a sermon this week. Okay, I'm giving you an outline from yeah. Exodus chapter 17. I'm anxious, I'm anxious to hear it. And I actually think it would be a good sermon because you can put plug and play what has God done in your congregation that yeah. has shown his power. He's not intimidated by the situation you're in. Because it's not new. Exactly. No, <laughs> It's not <Yeah>. new. <laughs> this is... You mean this isn't the first pandemic economic meltdown that the world has ever seen? No, and here's the funny thing. I, do, I don't necessarily, I, you made a promise, Steve. I don't think this will necessarily be as uh, great a sermon if I preach it as a, a former Miss America. I'm just yes. saying. Well, there'll be, an atten- there'll be an attentiveness oh, by the way, that will exist for so, her that didn't So exist. bonus material. <laughs> you guys need to go look her up, by the way. She is an, a, that sounds she stalkerish. is a classic, a classic preacher i mean it was amazing yeah. she she informed us after the introduction because she was introduced as a former miss america you are never a former miss america she's like i am the 1990 miss america i'm not the Ooh, former and it was all in fun you know what i mean right. it was the, mm. the second thing that she pointed out which is absolutely fascinating to me and it's a in a way it goes back to last time in our our, our second podcast in this season is that there's a direct relationship in that story in between the prayer life of the leader and what is going on on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. And it's just a reminder, like you're looking for practical things that you need to do, Pastor. Remind people of God's faithfulness and make sure your prayer life is where it needs to be. It makes a difference. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, we talk about prayer as a pastor and we tell everybody about the importance of it. And then we have to ask ourselves, are we doing it? And, and your prayer life really matters. You know, the beauty of God the Father is he likes to hear from you. And, and it's one of those things in, in the mystery to me of faith is like, I don't know why, but because he loves us. I mean, that's the obvious one, but he loves, loves to hear from you. And I think that prayer life is going to matter in this moment. It, it leads you to 
what the next part I think this story really entails. If you don't have this prayer life, what are you doing next? You know, one of the things that we need to get over is we're not preaching for behavior modification. We're preaching to encourage people to trust in the power of the living God. Absolutely. Uh, And that is a different world. Preaching is by its nature motivational. Now there's teaching involved and I, I need to be a true expositor of God's word. But if I'm not moving the people, yeah. if their hearts aren't moved, then I'm not really preaching. Yeah, and, and I'm praying for them as they're in battle. Because I have to pray. I don't move hearts. God does. Oh, yeah. exactly. And, and there is a battle going on. I Absolutely. mean, that's... So, so, so far, any of us could have preached a sermon. Yep. This is where my mind got blown. Okay, just, just so I can put it how it is. Yep. And this is, pra- this is so practical for us role pastors. So Moses is raising his arms. He's praying over the people. His arms become tired. And in my mind, the very next thing that happens is he has his arms held up. But that isn't the next thing that happens. The next thing that happens is they get a rock and Moses sits down. That's true. Now, why did Moses sit down? Because this is where, this is where we have just gone from, okay, let's, let's like just do a traditional encouraging sermon mm-hmm. to a very practical thing. Moses sat down because that enabled them to hold his arms up. Yeah. He had, the leader had to lower themselves so that everybody could serve. Because you can't like you know you can't hold someone's arms above their head when they're standing without it being tiring for you. And what 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 um, uh, Debbie Turner Bell talked about was now is the time to look at the ministries of your church mm-hmm. and say, have I set this up so that everybody can serve? This is just great pastoral leadership. The fact that what I'm doing is I'm transferring ownership and I'm making ownership available by not making it harder for people to serve. That's a big deal because I find that in my um, panic to get help, I just throw it out there and I want somebody to jump on the sinking ship with me. You know, I'm like, help, the nursery's going down. There are no workers and kids are doing all kinds of stuff. And, and then, you're, and, you know, the youth ministry had two kids and it's dying and we, we need your help. And I feel like it's so, it's so negative and it's so desperate that I make it harder. Who wants to go, yeah, that's where I want to be. You know, whatever the pastor <laughs> yeah, just described yeah. as hopeless, that's where I'm going. Going, man. That's yeah. where I'm going. Sign me up yeah. for that. Yeah. You know, I want to jump on the Titanic as it's sinking. Right. Yes. Um, you know, I think the whole thing there though, was is, room is, on the door. There was. Um, <laughs> I w- I'll say this. I think you know it levels the playing field when you sit down. And it makes it accessible. And in the vineyard, John Wimber, one of the founding pastors of the vineyard, used to say this all the time. We want everyone to play. Everybody gets to play in ministry. Everyone should have that opportunity. And when you open the door for that amazing things not only happen for you, it happens for them, and it becomes this relationship that changes things. And I think that's what Jesus did. I'm like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but he empowered the 12 to go out. Then he sent he sends the next group out. And I think each time we see that, we see that he levels the playing field to allow everybody to participate. And when, when we sit down as pastors, we don't make it hard anymore. And we show that, hey, you can be a support. I can participate. I can be involved. And I think for you personally, some of those things you've been doing that you're sick of doing, 
like the some of the administrative work or the nursery or the youth that you're probably not that good at anyway. Let, let, let's be honest. Uh, when I'm not a detail writing person, I'm a visionary type man. And every time we get to detail things, my wife immediately jumps in and my other executive uh, part of the team jumps in too. Um, and they'll say, you know, why don't we talk to me about this? Because all Mike is hearing is from Charlie Brown that wah, 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 right. wah, wah, wah. And I think pastor, it's okay to admit you're not good at things. And then you're empowering someone to be passionate about something they like to do. And they're passionate. I love this, Steve. They're, uh, this uh, just on about me. They're passionate because his arms rising and descending, which created the flow of the battle. So when his arms came down, they started losing. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. now I feel the weight of the victory and of the loss. And right. I am highly motivated to hold my end up because, man, I can't let his arm down. Yeah. I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find somebody else that's going to go, I've held this arm for a yeah. little while. And so what, what happens is they're invested and they're looking for the people to be invested as well. Yeah. And, and, we, and that is biblical and that is healthy leadership. And that is where you start to find other people to participate. And there creates, even during times of trouble, a sense of almost internal momentum inside of yourself to say, hey, I get to participate and I know if I don't, the battle turns yeah. back against us. Yeah. So let's get real, real practical. So what if, like, if I'm listening to this and I'm leading in my little town of 40 that I pastor in, and, well, well I'll just give you, I'll give you a case scenario that is true. I, one of the pastors that I work with, and I work with pastors all over the place, so you, you won't be able to figure out who this is, literally had announced that youth group was going to start up after Labor Day at the beginning of August. Right. And then... Um, the person who was the lead volunteer for the youth group, who he should have talked to first. Okay, that would have been helpful, but but you know he just assumed. I mean, you know how it is in a small. Come on, pastors, we understand this, right? We do the sure. same thing sure, every absolutely. year. You know, there's there's very little creativity sometimes in what we do, and so yep, first of August we always announce, hey guys, youth group is going to be kicking off right after Labor Day. He discovers he has no volunteers. The lead volunteer has decided they're still attending church, but they're they're not going to volunteer anymore. They have mm-hmm. concerns. How do I how do I really how do I sit down? I mean, that sounds really nice and cerebral, but how do I do that? Yeah, I think uh, so. There are three things. Number one, I need a practical list, or else I'm asking people to read into my need, and they mm. can't. I get, my my wife can't even guess what I need. Uh, half the time, I can't guess. This isn't marital counseling. I, this well, is I this is advice for pastors. I, I know that'll be my next book. What not to do in a marriage? <laughs> I I do think that um, we need to sit down practically, and you can do it right now, and you write those areas of need down. If it's a nursery and you don't have it staffed and you've got 12 kids, there's a problem with the congregation, and it's that nobody is stepping into a need. So write it down. What what do you think you need to get off your plate in order to, to get a win this week? And then, the, so first, write it down. Make it as easy as possible. Exactly. Once a month, I need somebody to step in and do the nursery. I need four of those people. I need maybe 12 of those people, depending on how many kids or whose kids. Um, and, then, and then write that down. The second thing is, who are you asking to help with that? Here's a point for real pastors. <laughs> Announcing it on Sunday morning is no. not asking. No, it's not Emailing asking. also, texting, texting, not asking. Facebook messaging, yeah, not asking. No. Eye to eye. 
face would you be face. willing to help me? Seriously, I was at a church just recently where they announced they had a lady get up and up. We, we have started a MOPS program, mothers you know, of preschoolers. And the first one is this Thursday. Uh, we have 10 signed up. We don't have any babysitters lined up yet. Could you please help us with this? And I've, there's, there's a part of me that says, you're not going to get it that way. You have to go through the list. Exactly. You have to ask right. them, here's how you hold up my hand. Would you please be willing to do it? Yeah, I think this is a work piece too, because I need uh, the question isn't, do I have somebody? It's who am I asking? So get out that piece of paper and look at those needs and say, who would do this? Who could do this? Because I don't want to have a nursery and I think, well, Sam, the truck driver comes in every, you know, I mean, I see him one, and he's terrible with kids, but I bet he can hold them all. You know, you, you don't want to just randomly select somebody. That's not a good idea. No, well, but look at know. the mixture here. This is, this is the mixture of what it means to be a spiritual leader in right. a smaller place. Right. On the one hand, I'm talking about holding up the rod. I'm talking about when my hands are up, it directly affects my prayer life. But by the way, I need to sit down and ask someone to change a diaper on Sunday morning. If you're not willing to ask, then you should be willing to endure it. If you're, not gonna, if you're not going to ask, then just buckle up and do it without complaining because you're sticking yourself with the responsibility. And I think the third thing that you haven't brought up yet is how long are you asking them to do it? Oh, yeah. Because if it's from here till Jesus comes back, it's yeah. probably not going to work for them. Yeah. In, in Exodus 17, his hands remained steadied until sunset. Right. There, there was a sunset clause to, uh, there's this classic, classic um, leadership cartoon. I'm showing how old I am. Some of you remember leadership magazines. I don't remember. And it shows this lady, she's like 90 years old sitting in the nursery. She goes, well, 60 years ago, I volunteered to be in the nursery and I've been here ever since. Yeah. <laughs> so the final thing, the fi- you know, they win the war. They, yeah. they win the war. And at the end of that story, it, the, Moses sets up an altar. And, and in the NIV, it, it, he calls the, old, the, the altar, the Lord is my banner. Yeah. Banners in that time were actually signals that were used on the battlefield to mark strategy. You know, they didn't have all the things that we have today. And and so literally it means the Lord is my rallying cry. And so what this story really is about is how do you how do you have a rallying cry during this time? And I just think this is so practical. Um just just as we're wrapping up, as you're thinking about you you're assessing where you are, you're assessing the mess. You are, you are leaning into the Holy Spirit because you don't know what to do, but you are still Moses in this situation, Pastor. It is your job to raise up your arms. Mm-hmm. It is you, what your prayer life matters, and it is your job to sit down yeah. and make it available. And that's what we're praying you'll do today. Hey, that's it for our podcast today. We went just a tad, just... Not too bad. We we're over just well. I guess we're right at twenty two minutes. That we're is right awesome. To, we're so, we are so good. honoring your time, pastors. I have, I have time to squeeze in one of those pretzel broads. Hey, there you well, go. It hey, there, like a little and, more than two minutes to actually. And eat. so here's a, here's a practical step. If your preaching is bad, shorten it. That way, it's less painful. So <laughs> see, that's what that's our thought with this this podcast. Brilliant. I'm telling Brilliant, you, Steve. Things get if 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 it's painful. Do it less. It creates less pain. Listen, we want to we want to really thank our producer Leanne Swihart. She is 
an amazing woman. She is someone that, that I get to meet every once in a while and work with. She does an amazing job. And the voice of the podcast, Carl Miller, we're so thankful for that. Thank you for joining us, pastors. We hope, we hope that you gain something today that will actually work. And we're looking forward to talking to you next time as we are the Dirt Road Circuit Riders podcast. You have a wonderful week. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at ThinkOrange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at CrossroadsFarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.CrossroadsFarm.org Dirt Roads Network transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.